Welcome back to another episode of Black Lone Legal Eyes. This is one of your hosts, Afro Becky. Becky. Wow. That's it? That was yep. real dry. Can we, can we try again with a little more enthusiasm? <laughs> well, you dry. said you wanted a quickie, so. <laughs> Look. That was very dry. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. But okay. And quickies, I just only be like, wham. No, you don't even get to wham. Why? That's it. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to welcome you all back to another episode of Black Law and Legalize, your favorite legalish podcast in this podosphere. It is illegal. And guess what? We can now do paid subscriptions thanks to Apple's new update as part of iOS 14.5 that also allowed me to put a tracker on and so I can keep her honest about where she was, if she's coming. Whatever, whatever. My name is Dan. You can keep up with me on Twitter and IG at I am Dan on Drugs. Keep up with the show, all platforms at Black Law Podcast. And welcome back to the video segments as well. Right, because Dan's ugly face got uglier. And (laughs) he wanted y'all to say. And I'm just Dan. And you can follow me on Twitter at I Tell Legal Lies. Really? Sounds like you forgot your name for a second. Because you can, you, what I just saw put me off of everything mm. for life. You should anticipate that by now. What I just saw, Lord, help us all. Mm. It's the end of the world as we know it. Hey, look, ladies love Dan. Never. Even some <laughs> niggas, too. Never. <laughs> no, Ewoks love Dan. Fuzzy wuzzies. Wait, because <laughs> a- after you introduce yourself, oh, you already introduced yourself, huh? I did. So, get a text message, ladies and gentlemen. And Jesus Christ, I said this is going to be a quickie, and this is going to be, we're going to get to the point. No, you always have to have a soliloquy. I do. It's always. This, but this is a new one, and this is actually your fault, because you bought it up last night, right? Huh? I get a text message from a coworker, right? And there is another coworker that works at another office who happens to be a homosexual, right? And he tells this coworker, mm, Dan is so fucking fine. He's so sexy. Do you think he goes both ways? And what 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 do you think that coworker did? Please. Buck this motherfucker up to think I was a bisexual. Well, you know what? You do give off those vibes. But let me tell you. For who think that this was a compliment, it really wasn't because this same coworker who asked if Dan swings both ways and thought he was so sexy also thought that a fat, bald, mm, white, mm, nasty. Well, he has been described to me by coworker also was sexy. So, no. He he was described he you know what i'm just leave it alone but i'm like i always get set up so people wonder why i set everybody else up for instance ladies and gentlemen we're about to get look i got i got i got today's agenda right here (laughs) but so yesterday i'm standing up in the middle of the office i've given up on life i've given up on my job i don't care anymore of course you do i'm showing up in gym clothes Compression shorts, compression tights, some knee-high compression socks. But that's not 
unusual. When have you ever? Showed- I usually wait until the end. No, 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 no. When have you ever showed up in anything that wasn't gym related, except for a brief period back in I think years. it was. 2012 13 through, 13 through 16 or something like I, that I put some effort in 13 that you actually 16. had real clothes yeah so <laughs> I had an old woman ask me about my compression socks she was like mm, damn those those are different color socks those ain't the same ones from the other day <laughs> so I said ma'am I wash my clothes before I wear them again. Why would I wear the same thing twice? And then all the attention turned to one of our other coworkers <laughs> who wears the same exact outfit every day, doesn't wash, is wrinkled as fuck, and he stank. And like you could just feel in the room all all the eyeballs went over there. So then she tried to entrapment me. She's like, what you mean wash your clothes? Don't we all wash our clothes before we wear them? Psh, I don't know. I know I do, though. That shit was funny. Okay. Enough of the soliloquy. So what we're going to talk about today is people who are pursuing the legal profession who might not know all of the different positions in a, let's say, a typical law office. So we're going to start off with the list that I have here, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to assume that this is a typical law firm. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's start at the top. Managing partners. Tell me, what are managing partners? Very self-explanatory. It is, but they are the the, people. They are, most of the time, they would be the founding members of the law firm these so, are people so there's like those are like the people with the names on the door pretty much mm-hmm. specter and lit you know mm-hmm. pretty much they they started it all and they're the ones that manage basically the direction that the firm is going to go in they 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 are basically the CEOs if we were talking corporations they would be the CEOs okay and how is that something that you can just jump right into as an attorney? Right. If you if you decide you want to start a law firm, say if you are actually a lawyer and not something like a lawyer, because and you know, this is a relevant sidebar. Dan and I had this conversation. Lawyers cannot partner with non lawyers in a business related to law. So what up now? So some of some of the I'll bring up what I said. I'm like, OK, I'm a multimillion dollar investor. I just go around investing in shit. I buy a building and I say I want this to be a law office for low income people who need legal services. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I buy this building and in my mind, I say I'm a partner with some lawyers because I don't know shit about law. So I'm going to bring in Ann. I'm going to bring in E. Eric Gayrod because he just got his license back. I'm going to bring in, you know, a few lawyers and be like, OK, this is all y'all. But I want 15 percent of whatever this establishment makes. I can't do that. Cannot partner with non-lawyers in a legal endeavor. So in that particular case, <clears throat> what 
would have to happen. You bought this building. You want to donate some money. Maybe it's a nonprofit and uh, you have lawyers on staff, right? Or mm-hmm. lawyers that volunteer. But you cannot be like I, me, E, Eric, you, Mars Bart. We couldn't be partners in this endeavor because you are a non-lawyer. E. Eric would actually disagree with you. <laughs> That's how E. Eric <laughs> lost his ability to practice law and had right. to actually petition to regain it because so, he was allowing non-lawyers to practice law. Right. So now let's look at it as I'm going to bring it into more something that's more relatable to our community is the beauty shop, right? Mm-hmm. You go in the beauty shop, you're working for, um, you know, I don't know, fly hair salon. Yeah, right? well, technically in a beauty shop, as I know it, somebody owns the be- the beauty shop and, and you're then a contractor. You, you pay them boot rental fees. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So they can do that. So, They're all beauticians. And maybe some of them are not really beauticians. You know, they just learned how to do hair a long time ago and they've been doing it so long. I don't know how um, <clears throat> cosmetology licensing works and if you can actually partner with somebody who is not a licensed cosmetologist. But I do know as an attorney, licensed attorneys cannot partner with non-lawyers, as I said, in a legal endeavor. So when we're talking managing partners, they are normally, as I said, people who start the firm. And there's a board who governs the operations of the firm, right? Like I said, you can liken them to the board of directors the CEO, the board of directors, and a uh, um, corporation. So oh. what's next on the list law, after managing partner? Law firm partner. Like you can be a partner in the firm, but all that does is give you the right to um, participate in the earnings. You don't necessarily manage, you know, just like you're a shareholder, period. You know, if we if we are... Going along with that corporate analogy, you're a shareholder. Like a shareholder, you don't have the right to run the company, but you have the right to share in the profits of the company, right? Hmm. So it's basically a non-equity partner. No, you are. You 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 get money. You're a partner. Once you're once you are a partner in the firm, but you don't have equity in the firm. Like I said, once you are a partner in the firm, you actually profit as the firm profits so you would receive a percentage of the profits unlike just a regular associate who they are actually paid a wage okay so i'm gonna read the description i have here for law firm partners Mm -hmm. law firm partners also called shareholders as Angie said are attorneys who are joint owners and operators of the firm. Mm -hmm. The types and structures of law firm partnerships can vary. Sole proprietorships. How could you have a sole proprietorship in a partnership? See, that is where your information is wonky. Well, okay, firms with just one attorney. Oh, okay. General partnerships, Mm -hmm. limit liability companies. Mm Mm-hmm. Professional associations Mm -hmm. and limited liability partnerships Mm -hmm. are the most common. 
Most law firms embrace a two-tiered partnership structure, equity and non-equity. Equity partners have one. Try this again. Equity partners have an ownership stake in the firm and they share its profits. Non-equity partners are generally paid a fixed annual salary. They might be vested with certain limited voting rights in law firm matters. Non-equity partners are often, although not always, promoted to full equity status in one to three years. They're frequently required to make a capital contribution Mm -hmm. to become equity partners, Mm -hmm. effectively buying into the role. Right. Just like like I said, like a like a shareholder. You basically if you want in on the profits. You got to buy in. Put up or shut <laughs> You know, that, like I said, shareholders, that's what they do. They buy a piece, right? And then they get distributions or dividends from the piece that they bought. Okay. And the list, Becky, would you like to guess? I um, think I said it already. Mm-hmm. I thought you said associates. Woohoo. All right. Correct. So that that is basically the uh, working class. These are these are the um, the people who do the majority of the work for the firm, because as an associate, your goal, anybody, really anybody who's working in a law firm as an associate, your goal is to make partner because that is really where the money is. I mean, lawyers get paid, you know, a nice salary, but you start making money when you have a piece of the rock. So okay. to speak. Lawyer, so, lawyers get paid a nice salary. Mm-hmm. Now, so so far, we, we've gone down three tiers. We went from managing partner mm-hmm. to that's the top dog. Mm-hmm. Law firm partners, which is second in charge. And then you got associates. Mm-hmm. What is the pay discrepancy or disparity? And just in general, if you had to guess. Three to one, maybe four to one, sometimes five to one, depending on the size of the firm. And how much money they're making a year? So an associate makes a hundred grand. That mm-hmm. managing partner is going to make five hundred. Might make a million. Okay. You know because, like I said, they may be paid a salary as well as getting a piece of the rock, right? Which is this is our company, correct? So, okay. Like we're we're going to get distributions from <clears throat> from the the partnership. So on top of everything else. So, yeah, they they're the ones that are reaping the benefits. You know, like I said, the first year associate, that's basically the plebe because all the work is being done by these people. They are billing in in their one job billable hours. Right. So you want to make money for the firm. You want to show the firm that you're productive because eventually somebody is going to take notice of you. You know, you're bringing in money to the point where, like I said, as an attorney coming into a firm, you want to reap the benefits of partnership. Okay, I would like to offer an alternative, which is I go in to the biggest uh, law firm in the South. Right. Mm -hmm. Biggest one. Mm -hmm. Like we're talking about Johnny Cochran, whatever. We're talking about, we ain't talking about Shorty, Dooley, and Hall and them <laughs> niggas, but the biggest one. And I, I come in as a first-year associate. Mm-hmm. Looking around, more than likely, I'm not going to make partner at that firm. But what I want is the experience and the name recognition. You don't of, know that. 
I'm sp- I'm, I'm just giving for an yourself? alternative. For I'm yourself? giving an alternative. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to be extremely hard to become a managing partner at one of the largest, most, most, uh, but you prestige. see, your goal may not to be a may not be a managing partner. You don't have to be a managing partner to make bank. I know. You know what I'm, I'm saying? Just saying. You, I'm, I'm just saying. You I just want to make partner. You don't even have to have your name on the on the door. Most of the times, you can be a partner and your name is not on the door. You just want to reap the benefits. My name is going on the door. <laughs> of course, you want I your name. Put, on I will the wait door. till the office closes and put <laughs> and my put name on yourself. the door. In Sharpie marker. No, what I'm saying is, like, for instance, you worked with Merrill Lynch at one point, Mm -hmm. right? That shit has to carry some weight when you move on to somewhere else. So what I'm saying is, okay, I'm working at the most prestigious or prestigious for my UK people. I don't even know if they say it like that. um, Prestigious law firms in the country. And I know that in order to make partner, yeah, it is slim. So I just go there for the experience. I go there. Yeah. Case low billable hours. I do my thing and then I bounce and go to the second or third most prestigious. That's not what you want to do, though. That, that like the progress, the progression of your career. You want to start small and hit big because like that whole gain some experience thing. You don't want to cut your teeth on the biggest law firm there is because you will get eaten. Like literally the feel of law and law firms, it is a culture unlike any other. It is doggy dog. When you jump in as a first year associate, you want to know what it is you're doing because if you, you have to be more than a baby shark. You know, you have to be autonomous, (laughs) right? Because what you don't want to do, like I said, jumping into that firm, your eye is on the prize. So you want to show them what you're worth. You don't want to have to turn around and say, what do I do now? What do I do now? Most people coming fresh out of law school, unless they're like in the top 5% of their class and they've had like summer associate experience where they actually learn how to navigate in the firm, which you're not going to get into a big firm unless you actually have some, some sort of resume of experience or, you know, somebody correct. You could be a legacy, you know, like my dad was a partner in this firm Mm -hmm. and now I'm in. So I know the business. Okay. With a law firm, like you're saying, the very top, like a Phelps Dunbar or, you know, things like that, you want to hit the ground running. So if what you want is experience, you don't start there. But why wouldn't you? Well, I mean, you don't, just, you don't start just in, because, my, in my head, like, hear me out. Mm-hmm. In my head, all right, let me, I'm going to take it out of a law firm and we're going to take it into, I don't know, car repair. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. We had a little bit of technical difficulties because my microphone had came unplugged. Because Shit happens. Dan is a technical difficulty. So what I was saying, though, is we were talking about getting in somewhere and taking mm-hmm. that experience somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So I likened it to wanting to open my own car 
car repair shop. Mm-hmm. So rather than starting at a Jiffy Lube or starting at a five minute oil change place, I'm going to go to the biggest dealership that services the most as far as makes and models. And I'm going to learn. I'm going to pick people's brains, do this, that. And then I'm going to take that knowledge and go elsewhere and either start start my own shit or be able to move up quicker. You're going to try because let try. me tell you. Try, yes. No, you're going to try to get in with that car place, the dealership or whatever. Because most of your top of the line dealers, just like most of your top tier law firms, they're looking for the best and the brightest. So right. you you have to have some credibility. You have to have some status as the best and the brightest, which is why I said if you didn't graduate in the top 5%, 2%, 3%, 1% of your class. Oh, and it also matters where you graduated from. Correct. The likelihood of you even getting an interview with that firm, because it's not like you're going to walk in the door and say, hey, Harvey. And you know, this whole thing in my mind, I know, I know it's not like you go walk in and say, I'm here, hire me. They're going to be looking for credentials. They're going to be looking for a body of work. They're going to, were you on law review? How'd you do in your classes? What sort of experience did you have while you were in law school? That's what they're looking for. Because like I said, they are not looking for somebody to take by the hand and teach them in the sense that you're a guppy and I need, I do need a baby shark. You know what I'm saying? Okay. If you, if you get the analogy, so Uh, 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 you wanting to start here is admirable, but you actually starting there. So the way you work yourself up is if you're just starting out and you don't have that much experience, you go to like a Mars Bart because they will lead you by the hand. You know, they will show you the ins and outs, how to how to do whatever. They will give you that foundation. And then you move from like a Mars Bart to, you know, a something like a, a two tier. Ladies and gentlemen, for the people listening outside of Louisiana, Mars Bart is our biggest ambulance chaser. chaser. And I mean, he's the guy on TV in a wreck. Uh, call me now. I speak habla espanol. <laughs> call me twenty four hours a day. I come down to the accident scene. I take pictures mm-hmm. for so available twenty four seven. Twenty four seven. Right. Okay. So, like I said, you start somewhere like that where you can learn the ins and outs, and then you you work your way up because now you have a body of work behind you, and you do well there. You know, you bring in clients, you bring in money, you you have that credibility, and then you move up. So where do the noble, the the people with noble intent go? Because I'm pretty sure these big law firms don't want the person like, say, I remember in an episode when asked why you became a lawyer is because you wanted to help people that look like you, people in your community. You've seen how it was hard for them to get mm-hmm. legal representation. Mm-hmm. So where does someone like you go? You where- go. You go to um, Cause they're not something like for that the, shit. the um, Southern Poverty Law Center. You go to places like that. Legal like, aid legal places. Aid, yep. You know what I'm saying? If if your goal is not to ride around in a Maserati and have a $5 million home on the beach and, you know, houses and 
everywhere and trips to the French Riviera. If that's all, this is sounding real good to me. You know? you know what I'm saying? If that's if that's not your goal, if money is not the reason why you got into law, going into a law firm, especially a big law firm or even a a, a two tier law firm, is not what you want to do. Because, like I said, law firms are stressful. Law firms, I you, know. Law firms are stressful. You have to bring clients in. You have to bring money in. And if you're a first-year associate, if you're a second-year associate, shit, if you're a fifth-year associate, it's all about billable hours because that is how the managing partners and other partners, that's how they make their money. Let me pause right quick and ask you, as an associate, now, again, in my mind, I'm far from, I'm something like a lawyer, but not really, is if I'm a first-year, second-year associate, how the fuck am I supposed to go get clients? In my mind, this is how it works. I come to work at your firm. You give me cases and I take these cases and I'm like, OK, boom, this is what we need to do. And I try to keep the clients happy. You always want to keep the clients happy. Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes it works like that. You know, first year law law associates coming in, they get the grunt work. So what an experienced lawyer is going to do and in most firms. They do have the buddy system. Like, basically, you're going to be my bitch. Everything that I need to do, legal briefs, research, all that, I'm pushing off on you. And then you're going to report to me, and I'm going to walk you through how to do this thing as I do it. You know, on the job training, you're going to see me. But at some point, they cut you loose. And then it's, you you go still do my legal work research you could do my briefs and everything else but now you got to start going out networking finding clients doing so how, do you, how do you find a client network like you know you know where um most people find clients so i know to speak? at car wrecks golf courses you know what i'm see, saying that's the shit like, i hate see in this this is the thing we can't do most, that most of these deals are not made in offices. Yeah, I know, but we can't do that. And <laughs> they are me, made at the country club. Let, so. Shout out to Cousin Craig, right? And I actually, for those of you who don't know, I, I actually play a little bit of golf, right? There's, there's all kinds of stuff. Shout out to Cousin Craig first, because Cousin Craig is the one that told me when I was 18 years old, he said, I'm going to learn how to play golf. And I'm like, nigga, what? He was like, most business deals and most networking are done on the golf it's course. It's true. This but is true. do you know that if I want to go down to Metairie Country Club, right down the street, I cannot go you down cannot, there. No, you have to be a member of the Not country on, club. Yeah. And in order to be a member, you, you have can't to apply. You can't be black. You, you have to apply. You cannot you, be black. And you have to be... <laughs> you, you have to apply, and you have to be approved for membership. Right, and you can't be black because... I know somebody who was a member there. You know this person too. And he straight up told me, yeah, they didn't like it when you bring black people with you because as a member, you can bring people Mm -hmm. with you. Mm -hmm. They did not. You got blackballed if you bought black people, which is why he's no longer a member there because the dude, as many times as he's been called a racist to his face by people, he's not a racist. So it's crazy. Nothing. Chateau uh, Country Club, right? Mm -hmm. They don't mind it when a big CEO rents out their ballroom and brings all his black employees in there. Right, Becky? That's right. 
Becky took me to that uh, a function there. And but uh, you can't be a member. Exactly. Right. So no, how the fuck are we supposed to get deals? Like, where, like straight yeah, up, no, where do niggas get deals see, done? And that, that's the thing. That's just the, like, it's not only the, the um, golf course. It is the tennis court. It is the ski slope. It is, um, well, not so much. But any anything that is elitist. And for the most part, you know, the game of golf, tennis, skiing, that's all elitist. The yacht club. Correct. That's sailing. Mm-hmm. Right. That is 100% where most deals are made. And this this is a truism. So, Same thing as holds As a black true. person, though, I'm still waiting. Because this, this, this is where I'm thinking right now, church. I, if, I'm if, being serious. No, and, and you're right. If you are bring, trying to bring in business if you're in the firm and it's not a black firm because they do have some prestigious black firms out there yeah right if it's not a black firm then you are going to learn to play golf you're going to learn to play tennis you are going to learn how to ski because if you don't you're at a disadvantage you're already at a disadvantage going in you know most most for first year associates, especially people of color, more particularly women of color, we have to do 10 times the work. I know. Y'all got to fuck y'all way to get in time. <laughs> nah. We have, to do, we have to do 10 times the work because we can't be, we can't just be great. You know, we can't be average. Now, I agree. most, most but white that's, that's, men. But that's anywhere with black true, women. True, but in the law more so Mm-mm. because yeah we ain't, huh? we ain't doing this we ain't doing now, this. i'm telling you not more so M- more not so more so black black woman engineers black like black women period exactly in any in uh, any even black so maids is not more so in law <laughs> but m- yes no it, and let me tell you why tell me let, why let me tell, tell you, let me tell listen. you why please do listen because the law as with many other um occupations historically white male dominated right so black men because they are male they kind of get a pass because it's still a good old it is it's still the good old boys club so they kind of get a pass they do have to work harder than white men they do but they do not have to work as hard as black women in the law and that is a true Ism, but that's but no different than where I'm going to point to is you said engineers, engi- black male not, engineers. Wait, wait, wait. Becky has women. I'm talking black women in engineering. For instance, you remember the story of the women that helped uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Houston, Houston, uh-huh. Houston. We have a problem. Correct. Do you know how great they had to be, uh-huh. and then they were still looked at uh-huh. as less dumb than niggas. Uh-huh. Correct. That's I mean, right. that's in any any profession that is not only white male dominated, but male dominated black. I, I don't think I can't see it being more so in law. I can see it being equal, but not more. so. No, more so, more so, because let me tell you who can kind of get away with like black women in sports. If you are talented, you have you face barriers, but you don't face the kind of barriers that black women lawyers face because you can get your foot in the door. You know, you you can get your foot in the door. Well, you you can 
you can with less rigorous maneuvering, let's say. You see even you, going though because, into sports, going cause, in cuz sports even though certain sports were di- male dominated, look at the WNBA. Why they the don't most, make as much money as Well, look at look at female soccer players. Yeah, they don't make <laughs> you know See, what I'm but saying? that's not I don't even care about sports. I'm talking about real world practical jobs a black woman is gonna have women overall have a disadvantage black women more so but let's bring becky in because she's worked at quite a few places and she's in human resources tell becky chime in please please do what aspect of this conversation would you like my jesus christ how how long (laughs) how long that stuff take (laughs) (laughs) black women in the workforce period because basically what i'm saying is black women no matter not no matter where but there's other fields where they have to work just as hard and i don't believe that being a black woman in law is any more hard than working in these other fields doctors black woman doctors oh yeah dr shakita she has to (laughs) she has to work black women you know what you say that and I'm just th- I'm just gonna tell you the story that I heard this woman and it, and it's true like I said I don't disagree that black women struggle period depending on what the occupation is especially if it's a professional occupation because you see when a black woman walks into a room let's differentiate professional occupation from a non-professional occupation as opposed to so something like engineering or the practice of medicine the practice of law um pharmacy you know that those are professional things that you actually have to go to school get a license get a degree be licensed to do let me pause right pause you right quick because i'm gonna lose my so i heard some of the realest shit from dr umar johnson on the breakfast club interview actually and what he was saying is that Black people want to rush out, go to college and get their degrees. They got their degrees, graduate, and they can't make any money in their field. They don't have any other skills. But rather than going to college right away, go to a trade school, learn plumbing, learn electricity, even if that's not some shit you want to do. Carpentry. But that is a tangible skill that you can use your hands to do to make money. So not only that, fuck these student loans. You can be out here building houses and shit. Doing electric, electricians and plumbers get paid. Money. Absolutely. So yeah, you might not want to do that. That might not be your career choice, but you can your now goal, pay your, your end goal. The thing is, I do not have anything negative to say about trade schools because everybody is not meant to go to college to be a lawyer or a doctor or a pharmacist or or any other highbrow or a you know a college professor x y and z right i have i've said this on the show before i have a cousin who came out of high school did like a month not a month i'm sorry a year in trade school got uh, um a certificate no got a certificate in like instrumentation and works for energy the power company in Louisiana. Right. Like making mad money. Right. And like I said, graduated college, went and got a certificate in instrumentation. 
did not take him long. He knew college wasn't for him, but he knew he wanted to do something to make some money. He did a little research. It, I mean, college is not for everybody. And, and the, re- the reason I brought that up, though, is because your comparison, non-professional versus professional mm-hmm. occupation mm-hmm. is some some jobs. It depends on this. Right. Mm-hmm. Other jobs depend on these. Correct. You are That's always going to have these right here. So That's even correct. if you want to be a scientist, but yet you're a carpenter, you learn the trade of carpentry. OK, science ain't you can't do shit in science. You can always fall back on your hands. So. That I think that's what you were getting at now, when you I were said, saying I said non-professional that, versus professional. Right. Basically, professional to me means something that you have to have a degree and be licensed to do, right? So as opposed to non-professional, that, I mean, I do not frown upon any occupation because, you know, my grandmother always told me, Whatever you're going to be, whatever you're going to do, do it well. You know, whether you're a maid or the president, as long as you're doing an honest day's work. Shout out to Donald Trump. And you're doing doing it well, good. You know, it's always put your best foot forward, do your best wherever you are. So, I mean, as I said, I also know somebody who started out in college working for McDonald's. And worked for McDonald's for 30 plus years and worked her way up to the point where she was in the, like started out of high school at a local McDonald's, wound up working in the corporate office, like once again, making mad money, did not have a college degree, just worked, worked her way up. So said all that to say that true and Everything that we do, we have to be excellent. We can't be lackadaisical because it's always harder for us to pierce through the corporate veil or the glass ceiling, getting ahead. But in these in these law firms, in order to even make partner, you have to do a hundred times the work that somebody Somebody else else. would normally have to do so that whole scenario let's hit the big dog law firm right is not always the thing that you want to do because starting out small and gaining that experience as opposed to hitting the big law firm who may let you in just so that you can crash and fall you know crash and burn i've heard it both ways uh (laughs) becky what I want to know is, as a black woman, your professional experience, uh, we do still have three more um, more jobs as far as in a law firm that I have on this list, but they're, they're going to be quick. So before we get there, your, prof- your professional experience being a black woman. I can say that it's been easier, or I can see that it's been easier for people who are non-black to um, progress in their career quicker. Which is, that's normal. Yeah. So, (laughs) I mean, that's been my experience. So it's not any different than any other black woman in America. So have your your ambitions been stunted by this? Um, In some ways, I'm, I'm like, yeah, you know, why try? (laughs) Right, because eventually the frustration gets to you. It's Mm -hmm. like, 
you see yourself, you're doing Connie's work and Billy's work and Betty's work. And Connie, Betty, and Billy are the ones that are getting all the kudos. And then you look and there, I remember case in point, and I know I'm digressing a little bit, but I remember my dad, when he started out, didn't start out working at, you know, the Corps of Engineers. He didn't start out doing any of that. He started out working at a hotel in the maintenance department, my right? My grandfather worked there his whole life. And what he would tell me, and I listened to him over the course of the years, tell me these stories, and he used to make me so angry until, you know, I got out into the working world and actually experienced it for myself and was, but I was prepared for it because I had heard him say this over and over. So I had my eyes open. Let me you know. guess. He at least them white motherfuckers. <laughs> I guarantee you he said that. So this is what his experience was working. He worked. He was the one with experience. But he would have like these young white boys come in. He would train them and then they would eventually become his boss and move up. And he was still the one, you know, low man on the totem pole training his bosses. And, you know, just listening to that over the years, it was like and I I used to ask him like, Daddy, at what point did you look at these people and say, fuck you and your job? Because. After I've trained four and five people who then became my boss and didn't know shit, somebody would die. Well, you know, it's like, I mean, I see the same thing in IT, though. It's like black dude in IT. He don't know shit. White boys come along and, oh, they know everything except for how to actually fix shit. (laughs) I actually I still go through this damn near on a daily basis at at where i'm working at now it's like okay you got the head honcho it dude right he's supposed to be the big man but everything gets delegated to me because i get results and not only that when i'm not there like i was out earlier this year i got real sick right i was out for what a week and two days i think it was almost three weeks bro talking about? No. i mean almost two weeks it was a week and two days i came back on a wednesday and worked at an office that was um isolated <laughs> because i i got diagnosed with hepatitis when i came back which i did not have but uh no nah, i was going monday through friday and then the next monday i came in got sent home mm-hmm, and then i mm-hmm. came back in that wednesday but Anyway, a week and two days, let's let's just say even two weeks. This motherfucker lost his goddamn mind because I wasn't there to do the shit. He was texting me. I wasn't responding. Everyone, a few other people texting me. Yo, how you holding up? You good? Yeah, I'm good. I'm straight. Whatever. This motherfucker want to text me about, uh, do you remember how to do this? Do you remember how to log into this and that? No response. No response. I'm not responding to you. So... Yeah, I deal with that shit, too, as a man of color. Mm-hmm. I mean, that shit, I ain't got no college degree. I ain't got no no fucking cert. Well, I do have certifications, but. <laughs> but it is, it's, like I said, maybe some people think, because that that is the experience that I have had. So strictly from my experience, it is very hard for a black woman in the legal field 
to attain the level that white women, white men actually attain by doing 50% less work. You know what I'm saying? But like, like we've said, that's common in any occupation. So it's, I mean, it's crazy, but moving on. Okay. So we already talked about managing partners. Those are the head honchos. Mm -hmm. We talked about law firm partners. Those are second in line. We talked about associates Mm -hmm. and those are the ones that's trying to get up there. So (laughs) next is of counsel Mm -hmm. attorneys. Mm -hmm. What are of counsel attorneys? So most of the time, those are people who at one point had their name on the door. So like these are like the granddaddies of the legal field. They have like all of these all this experience. Like I said, at one point they might have been one of the managing partners and now they're retired and um they come in when they need some big guns. Hmm. So could they be like a professor somewhere else? like they could retire from law, you know. Right. And they law, could, they and could then... be or they could be a professor talking about big guns or we might need to leverage some of your relationships. Correct. Is that another? Okay. That, that's something we need. Or there's this big case. And yeah, you know, I know you buddy, buddy with the judge. And I, you know, I know, you know, this person you've had, you've had 30 years worth of experience. Come on in and help us out with this case. Come on in and help us out with this client, whatever, whatever. But yeah, so that's basically like the, um, like I said, granddaddies of the firm, granddaddies of the law. <laughs> granddaddies of the law, and they just come out of retirement every now and then and swing for the fences. So next and last on this list, and then there's going to be an honorable mention is summer associates. You mentioned that earlier. Mm-hmm. What, what is a summer associate? So those are law school students who may be in their second, third year, looking for legal experience. And they um they apply to be an associate so that they can gain that experience in the law field, in the field, in the firm. But that's me. <laughs> yeah. Damn, it says they're highly competitive and well-paying, a summer associate? So let me tell you, highly competitive is true. I don't know about well-paying because most of the time, these people might only get a stipend. You know what I'm saying? They they do they do this not for the money, but for the experience. So they're like and interns. These, right. And these are, these um law firms are basically like, why should we pay you? Because we are giving you the the um ability to learn from us. You know? So you go in, you do this work. And a lot of times, if you go in as a summer associate the f- and you do well, the firm might just offer you a permanent position once you graduate and once you take the bar and become fully licensed. So they are very highly coveted positions, period. Okay, so from what we've gone over is the progression would be something to the effect of summer associate, junior associate, senior associate, partner, and then of counsel attorney. No, partner, partner. Managing, managing partner. Well, that's still a partner. <laughs> of counsel is basically. Managing partner, yeah, okay. Uh, of counsel is basically, I'm the slick willy. I'm the, I'm the top gun. I'm the, I'm the pitch hitter. So 
Um, but you know what? Of counsel would be like what you're you're trying to attain because that's somebody who's been like all these things have all these experience, and now I'm resting on all of this knowledge that I've had over this 30, 40 year career. And like I said, I'm just jumping in, fitting in where I need to be, fit, when I need to be. You fit in. <laughs> so, um, but you know, those are not now shout outs to all of these associates in these law firms. They do work, but the people who do the grunt work in these law firms, paralegals. That was my honorable mention. Paralegals freaking legal secretaries okay they hold on keep i want you to keep going though so non-lawyer legal professions right so that would be paralegal legal secretaries secretaries. yeah then no more not that i can think of like if once you have the paralegals and the legal secretaries the only the only other thing you have are the lawyers okay so paralegals Mm -hmm. what they do is in my mind Mm -hmm. In my mind, they got little cubicles and they don't have the fancy corner offices. They got a little phone. They got a computer and they got a stack of papers on their desk that is in just disarray. And they got to put all this shit together to get to the associates who are handling the cases that they're kind of putting putting all the information together for. Mm -hmm. So paralegals actually do the same job as a first year associate, you know, they're the ones doing like legal research. They may be writing briefs. They, you know, the only thing that they're not doing is arguing in court. They are doing like all the background work. A good paralegal can make or break a lawyer because once you get to the point where you're in a law firm and it's a fairly large firm, most of these lawyers are not doing their own research. You know, they're not doing their own um, paperwork or anything like that, their paralegal does. So I can sabotage you if I don't fuck with you. Absolutely. If you're not careful. I mean, because you, you, what you are supposed to be doing as a lawyer with a paralegal, you're supposed to be directing that paralegal, right? You're supposed, you, you are the one that is supposed to be looking through all of this stuff telling the paralegal where to go, what to do, how to do it, whatever. But most lawyers, you find a good paralegal, you trust that paralegal. Like I said, that paralegal is going to do the work. They're going to hand you some stuff. you go look through it. Okay. That's actually what got E.R. Gayrard in trouble. We've mentioned that before. His paralegals be- were doing the work. He condoned the unlicensed practice of law. They were basically settling cases, the paralegals and and um, that he had some people in his office who were basically like um, case runner type people. They they weren't paralegals, but they were just office workers. And between the paralegals and the office workers, they were settling cases, doing just doing everything that the lawyer should have been doing. Why would he do that? Like I said, once you have once you have people that you actually trust, why not? Why not? It's like go on, do it. That's less that I have to do, and I'm still making the same money. Interesting, <laughs> right? Interesting. So, 
So, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Black Law and Legal Lies, and we stuck to the legal shit this time. But let me tell you something. Jump in, just give me like two minutes, because having a, a juris doctorate, going to law school, you do not have to be a lawyer. You could be a prostitute. You could. You could be anything you wanted to be, but having that legal degree doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go and take a bar and be, you know, be a lawyer. You could be a law librarian. You can be an arbitrator. You, you can, can be, be a Supreme Court justice. Am I lying? Back in the day, because Shit, right some, now. Of, some of them didn't take the bar, but you have to. You actually have to be a lawyer. You actually have. You have to have. You could be a, a lawyer judge. that never tried a case yes, in your fucking absolutely. life. You can be a lawyer who's never tried a case in your life. This is one hundred percent true. Fuck you, that bitch. <laughs> you. You can be, but you know, being a lawyer is not the only thing that you can do with a Juris Doctorate. As I said, you can be somebody in um, the ADR field. You can be a the fuck is a hey, come on. I don't speak gibberish. What is ADR? Alternative dispute resolution. So that's like a mediator, correct? Okay. Or an arbitrator. Um, you could you could be a professor actually. You know, you have an advanced degree. You can actually go and be a college professor. Um, you know, there are some of many things that you can do. You can write contracts. <laughs> yeah, you you can be a transactional attorney. That all you do is like write contracts or um, house closings and and things of that nature. You don't necessarily have to be in a firm in a courtroom. You know, everything that people think when they think lawyer, that's what they think. You don't necessarily have to do that. Just wanted to put that out there. That just brings me on to one more question that is totally left field. Okay. So you consider yourself a family law, now a transactional attorney, correct? I don't know if I would consider myself a transactional attorney. Enter the mic. But I've heard you say that. I don't that. believe that. I don't know if I would consider myself transactional I've heard you. I've heard you refer to yourself as such on this very show. I might have been being facetious when I said it. No, you was being for real. You was like, I be doing <laughs> transactions. I'm a mover and shaker. I don't okay. know. I don't know if I consider myself a transactional attorney, but I would consider myself a family lawyer. Okay, your mama gets arrested, right? Criminal. My mama would never get arrested. This is just hypothetical. Okay. Your mama gets arrested. Mm-hmm. Criminal. Criminal case. Gun, drugs, okay? My mama would never get arrested. Let's, be, queen, real, let's, a, let's be realistic. My this, mother no, would never be arrested, somewhere. first of all. I'm going somewhere and with And if this. she was arrested, it wouldn't be for drugs and guns. And guns. She a queen pen, okay? <laughs> so she moving weight, right? She gets arrested. You ain't never know about it. So with your background in family law, right? So mm-hmm. mama's accounts gets frozen. All her money's frozen. Mm-hmm. She can't afford an attorney. Would you... A, let mama roll into court with a public defender, or would you try your best to, now I don't want you to pay for a lawyer, would you try See, your best to get your mama you, out? You, you read my mind, you I, paid, no. I paid a lawyer. I honestly would roll into court, I would roll into court, not not having a legal background, not having legal background the first, but I will become the best versed criminal attorney out there your honor so if you look at the case 
Freeway Rick Ross versus the state of California in Texas. I would become well-versed on anything and everything I had to do because I would, what I would probably do is like in conjunction with one of these legal aid attorneys or whatever, you know. Have you ever been tempted? To what? To Criminal? Yeah. Hell no. Never. No, you know why? Because I know too many criminals. Uh-uh. So I'm saying. But I like, thought that was the community no, you were trying to that, help. See, okay. that's the problem. I would. I have never been tempted because I would spend most of my time trying to keep my own people out of jail. I'm so, so just one, like that one person. That's why I said your mama. Mm. That one person never made you just for a split second say, maybe. Well, I can't lie. I did. My cousin, um, my cousin was going down and he he actually made me want to like jump in and do some stuff but then i was like nah man because I once mean, that happens all your cousins call <laughs> right? uh-huh. just like everybody then the, the floodgates open man and everybody wants to jump in nah i can't do it so again ladies and gentlemen this has been another legal version of black law and legal lies for y'all the motherfuckers that be like y'all don't be talking about the law a lot this whole shit was the law <laughs> uh-huh. Shit, I was bored as fuck sitting here. I'm sitting here trying to talk about hoes and prostitutes. My name is Dan. Keep up with me on Twitter and IG at I am Dan on drugs. Keep up with the show, all social media platforms, as well as back on YouTube now at Black Law Podcast. And I'm just Dan and you can follow you can follow me and ask me questions on Twitter at I tell legal lies. And this has been Afro Becky. 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 Signing off.